Hello and welcome to another episode of Get Wrecked. I am Ben and this week is the final week of our anniversary celebration one year of Play Along Pod. So I am joined by Kai this time. Hello. Yes, and we are going to be playing some Annapurna games. Yes, very exciting. Yes, so why don't we why don't we start off, Kai? You you tell the lovely people your experience <laughs> with Annapurna because my experience of Annapurna is a lot more recent than yours. Yeah, um, Annapurna I initially knew as a, a film company um, who had done a bunch of great kind of independent feature films in the early part of the the 2010s um i think starting in 2011 and then the first film of theirs i saw was zero dark 30 and Annapurna is owned by megan allison who is the daughter of the uh eccentric billionaire who founded oracle um and so she's able to fund things with a little worry about uh financing or failure uh which leads to uh some risks being taken by her company um her brother uh, also owns a film company i'm pretty sure skydance um and so they've made some incredible films over there as well so very uh two artistic pair um but really they kind of popped onto my radar um i was taking a digital media class in undergrad and one of the assignments was to play through journey um and this would have been 2016 2017 around that time uh, and so Journey was published by Annapurna, and Annapurna also published a bunch of other games at that time that were kind of in that indie space, which is something I was interested in. Um, and then as they released more and more, as as the years moved on from 2016, um, played games like Maquette, uh, one of the games we played here, What Remains of Edith Finch, um, and they just seem to have great taste when it comes to independent games and as well as storytelling uh, in this space. And so that's I've always had a uh, an affinity for their releases and as well as their approach to to game development, game publishing, um, and so uh, yeah, one of my favorite companies out there, and uh, they're doing great things in the space. Yeah, it's it's crazy because I I only realized when you suggested Kentucky Route Zero as a main series that mm-hmm. I had heard of all of these games and they were all. Annapurna games so Kentucky Route was actually the first one that I played mm-hmm. uh, physically but I mean being in the gaming space you can't not know of what remains of Edith Finch you know Flower Journey there I don't know how to explain it they're just they're just well-known games um and seemingly for good reason yeah for sure. And I think that they have definitely like a specific style that they tend to to stay in, mm. um, which kind of relates all, all of the games, which is like, I think viewed as kind of that, that indie traditional <laughs> indie style. Like I don't, they've yeah. kind of defined what an indie game is at this point. Um, and, you but know, yes. they, they show, they show no uh, means to slow down either. I mean, we were talking before this about Stray coming out. Um, mm-hmm. which looks incredible in a memoir blue, which is coming down the pipe, I think, uh, later this year. Um, and then we also played 12 Minutes, which is a fantastic game. 
Um, so yeah, they've <laughs> yeah, consistently the... released uh, kind of great classic uh, independent titles. Yeah, I mean, Artful Escape is is on my backlog as well. I know it's one that you you played and you loved um, mm-hmm. last year. So yes. I guess before we we jump into the actual uh, games that we're doing, let's do just a little background of Annapurna. So in 2016, Annapurna Pictures was founded as uh, oh no, a company interactive. Yes, yeah, interactive pictures is the film company. Yeah, that was in 2011. Was when they. Yeah, the so in, in 2016, they created Annapurna Interactive as uh, a way to attempt to expand into the games industry. And they used some of their existing alumni, but then also several video game veterans, um, some of who even worked at Sony and Warner Brothers, apparently, which is kind mm-hmm. of crazy. And it says here that their company aimed to publish games that are personal, emotional, and original and um i mean i i feel like oh, and this is the other thing we were saying um in october 2020 they announced that they are doing an internal development studio yeah. so rather than publishing other people's work they're going to start developing and publishing their own and um i can't remember who i was talking to when i said it but like i feel like annapurna are the the company that are willing to take a chance on those crazy indie titles. For sure. Yeah. And I think it comes from there. I mean, Megan Ellison has played a big role in kind of the founding of the company and that's always been her, um, kind of approach to art in general and, and often to her detriment, to be honest, like the film side of Annapurna, highly respected in the independent film world, kind of along the likes of things like A24 and these big kind of independent studios. Um, but her risks don't always pay, pay off, especially in film. Uh, like film is a very different space in video games. It's much harder to, to make your money back. And so even though there's great films like her uh, and uh, Zero Dark Thirty and, uh, you know, American Hustle, they, they don't tend to make their money back, which I mean is, is beneficial that she's the heiress of a, of a, you know billionaire i mean mm. she can get away with this stuff but yeah the, the the same approach that they brought to their kind of focus on narrative on tone on storytelling in, in their films they they really brought over to the game side and i mean i think at this point i've played at least 80 percent of their catalog of all the games that had been published by annapurna and uh i mean i haven't been disappointed yet which is kind of an incredible feat to to be honest because everyone yeah. everyone misses so unless the like six games i haven't played that have been published by them are they're terrible ones and i've just gotten lucky um they they do seem to to never miss uh, i mean some of the to really selecting these some of these ones i didn't even realize were annapurna like donut county gone home outer wilds mm-hmm. um due telling process lies. yeah telling lies that was one we was talking about the um the fmv game that is yeah. now on Game Pass, and I will check out. But um, yeah, due process. I didn't realize that was Annapurna. That is like um, it's like an online tactical first-person shooter where, when you die or before you start the level, you can bring up the map and you can draw on the map, <laughs> allowing your teammates to show where you're gonna go. So you'd be like, "Oh, I can go here," and then they can go there, and you can kind of formulate a game plan before the match starts. Uh, which is interesting 
Yeah. Super, super different approaches too. Yeah. Completely. There's not one thing that they, uh, like you can kind of point to Activision and go like, oh, that's an Activision title. You can't really point to uh, Annapurna and be like, no, that's an Annapurna title. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows what they're going to do next? Some of them you look at and it's like, you know, Journey, What Remains of Edith Finch. Like you look at them, you go, okay, that you can tell that's an Annapurna title. But then you get Donut County and Due Process and Stray Outer Wilds. And you're like, is this, is this the same company? Like what the... Yeah. But anyway, there's enough gushing over Annapurna. Never enough. Never, Never. enough. Let's yeah. jump into the first game that we have today. The first game that we have is What Remains of Edith Finch. Yeah. So this was uh, What Remains of Edith Finch was the game that you recommended to me. Yes. So uh, before we get into your experience with it, just to Mm -hmm. inform those who may not know, uh, it's a 2017 adventure game developed by Giant Sparrow, published by Annapurna. The game centers on the character of Edith, a member of the Finch family, affected by a perceived curse that causes all but one member of each generation to die in unusual ways. And uh, yeah, this, this is a good representation. It says it's, it's an anthology of mini experiences. You, you essentially walk around the house and experience the story of the Finch family. Yeah. Uh, and so very interesting uh, and sometimes uh, creepy artistic ways yeah yeah we'll, we'll get into it but uh, we'll there's some interesting it. representation of of how to tell a story of someone's uh, untimely death or life so when did you experience edith finch what was your what was your first uh, time with it I and what think... did you think of it at the time yes um i'm trying to remember when we played it it was definitely probably 2018 uh, me and Jared played it together on Xbox. So it must have been, yeah, 2018, because it came out on Xbox One in 2017. Um, and I had played other Annapurna games, and we had heard, I, I think this, What Remains of Edith Finch had won a ton of awards, um, which is not necessarily how I base what games I play, but obviously, if something uh, kind of piques the interest of the gaming community at large, um and as well i have a a close friend who was like you have to play this game it's so interesting you're gonna love it um and so we decided to jump into it and it's it's very short i think it's only like two hours long as a game so it's not a it's not a big commitment uh if you just want to jump into it and kind of see and then was immediately hooked by how crazy and weird and wild the world was and how the storytelling kind of unfolded through the exploration of of this house and so that was kind of early early as in a year after it was released, but um, kind of mm. my experience when I, I played it for the first time. And uh, I've played it again after that, uh, just for the experience again. But um, no, yeah, that was that was the first time I dove into the world of Edith Finch. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I had heard of this game, um, but I had never played it, hence why you recommended it to me. And <laughs> the reason I knew about it is because of what it says here about how positive the game was received 
mm-hmm. um, and apparently is considered one of the few examples of game as a, games as an art form, which I can I can see. I mean, yeah, I <laughs> I always feel weird when people are like, oh, yeah, this game, this game is a piece of art. I'm like, well, technically, I mean, it's technically it all is games technically are art. art. But, <laughs> but I, I I can I can I see journey these games in particular i understand people they're very accessible and like journey is a walking sim this game doesn't require a ton of knowledge of how video games work to get into it's very short it's very approachable and so i see the art community at large you know coming into this and being like oh this is a very beautiful experience now if they would have just played other games they probably would have been like Wow, like there's things to be said about, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2. That game's very beautiful or playing mm-hmm. something like God of War, which has an incredible story. Um, but obviously those aren't as accessible or popular within the kind of independent art community. So so these games tend to get branded, I think, as, as art. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's what it means. Like when they say art form, they're talking about to like the, the layman. Yeah. You know, the person Just, who doesn't yeah. play games. Yeah, I want to meet a person who who because obviously I think our experience of getting into games is is pretty traditional in the sense that like we grew up in the '90s, we played kind of the major AAA titles early on on major consoles. But like, I would love to meet someone who's like never had an experience with games and then got into gaming through playing something like this, or like, oh, I played Journey in my '30s, and like that's how I kind of. Like you would view gaming through such a different lens if that was your experience of coming into it rather than like yeah, my course. earliest like my earliest experiences of gaming are playing Goldeneye on the like Nintendo 64 and like playing Halo on the original Xbox, which obviously gives me a different perspective than someone who, who comes in playing, you know, really intricate, artistic, uh, independent games. Yeah, well, I mean, so Edith Finch won the British Academy British Academy Game Awards for Best Game 2017, Best Narrative Category at both the 2018 GDC Awards as well as the 2017 Game Awards, along with other awards and numerous nominations. So could you imagine, like this was, uh, I believe it was ported, yeah, it was ported to iOS recently, but could you imagine seeing this game on like your play store or your app store or whatever and being like oh this is a really award-winning game for like four pound like let me let me see what it is and it's your first real experience of a of a game in your adult life like you've never really been into games and then this is what you play first yeah it would really set you up for sadness (laughs) (laughs) these are amazing and then you go play like fucking (laughs) call of duty and you're like oh wait a minute yeah not to say that call of duty doesn't have its place but it's definitely not as a an emotional experience as something like what remains of edith finch so so do you want to do you how much of the story do you remember that'll be interesting i was to say did you want to go through the story yeah, we can go through the story, and obviously you're you're a little f- more fresh on it than I am. But generally, I mean, the story is that you uh, you take a ferry to your your family home, uh, which takes place in Washington, which is a very ominous, dark, foresty state as it is, and so I think it pairs well with with kind of the the setting and the story of this game. And then you you go to your what is described as the ancestral home. 
uh, and start unfolding the stories of, of your your family members through going through different rooms in the house. And the house is is quite large. I don't. I believe you get a letter at the beginning that explains some reason for being there, kind of setting up the context. Um, correct. Yes. Yeah, so essentially. What happens, like you said, you get the fairy. The context is that your mother, Dawn, um, had died and you had inherited the Finch house. And at the time that the game takes place, you are the sole remaining member of the Finch family. Everybody is, everybody else has died. Yeah. And you, you come to the island and you approach the house and... This house is like a Franken house of of a Finn. Like it's it's a house, and then there's a tree house out back that is a literal house, and then there's also <laughs> yeah. a house that's made of like canoes, like plastic canoes or something stacked on one another as a ladder. It's it's very so. so the whole point of it is that the the way that the family came to this island is that from what I remember the the house was like stranded there or something yeah something something along those lines I know that the, the family emigrated to escape yes. a curse yes um, that was it they emigrated but... from Norway to the US to escape the curse Yeah, and then <laughs> off the shore of orcas island the house capsized and odin who is your great great grandfather he died and drowned and mm -hmm. now edie your great grandmother um is rebuilding the house essentially mm -hmm. um and so that's kind of the whole point is that uh your family yeah, so Edith, Edith is the daughter of Odin, and she has a husband, Sven, and it's Sven that rebuilds this Finch house after it drowns. Yeah, and you can kind of on a, an, an island sort of. Yeah, it's like right yeah. on the coast. Um, yeah, and you can, I mean, you can see the house in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is crazy, and essentially the Finch family have lived here since, which is why the house has been expanded in such uh, a crude way because mm -hmm. that's the only way they had to make room for the new additions to the family. Yeah. And then uh, we should add that at, at a certain point, I don't remember exactly what, what prompts it, but uh, one of the members starts sealing off the rooms um, in some it's... point in the family history. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the mother... The, yeah, the mother seals off the rooms in hopes that the, the curse will be ended or whatever. Whatever the reason that the curse is affecting them will be stopped by her sealing off all of these individual rooms. And so part of the game is, is moving through this house and trying to unlock these sealed areas. Um, but that then leads the rooms to be almost like time capsules. So as you move yes. through the, the different members of the family who died at different ages, you experience their rooms at the age in which they died for the most part and so everything has remained untouched as you kind of make your way through this house I, the best way like to explain the gameplay of this this game other than describing it as like vignettes is it's kind of like watching like old family videos 
Like that's how I think about oh, it. Like, yeah, you, you, get out, you get out like the you know the eight millimeter like projector, and you're like showing the reels of like the fifties and sixties, and you're going mm-hmm. through time and kind of seeing your family history in these like short flashes. Yeah, of, of kind of like that's the only context you're given, um, and that's kind of what this game feels like. Like you just get to experience these different people's lives for for a moment of whatever the game wants to show you, and then you move on to the to the next member, which is a it's an interesting way to kind of approach a story about family history and and a curse that <laughs> has killed so yeah. many people. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, it's exactly like you said. You know, you have these kind of snippets, and each one of them is done in. Uh, a different style mm-hmm. um so i mean f- i don't know about you but three of them stood out to me so that they all have their own kind of style to them but do you mind if i just list off yeah. the yeah go for um, it so the the one that stands out to me the most is lewis finch um, is that the the fish one that is the fish one yes lewis <laughs> yeah. finch okay. is um i believe he is edith's uncle um and he essentially suffers from mental illness as well as substance abuse and begins living his his life almost in this fantasy setting so while he's at work he works in a cannery um chopping off the heads of fish to be put into cans of tuna or something and he the whole story unfurls through his therapist's letter and the therapist is explaining mm-hmm. about how over time he become more and more developed in this imaginary fantasy world to the point yeah. where he switched off at work and didn't focus on what he was doing, but it weirdly made him more efficient. <laughs> you know, the, the boss was yeah. like, you know, he, he doesn't make mistakes. He just stands there and he just works and he become this model employee. Mm-hmm. But the entire the entire way it's done is like the fantasy setting will start small in the corner of the screen and slowly expand as it envelops more and more of Lewis's life to the point where there is nothing but the imaginary setting. And it's really weird because you can still the whole time you're moving these fish into this machine to, to sort them out and the fish stay on screen, but you lose the environment around you. And the fish start to become like a part of the world. Like he has to, he's trying to become kin of his fantasy world and the doors are locked, but the lock is like a fish. And when you put the fish in the machine and it gets decapitated, the door unlocks because the lock breaks. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a really, really intriguing way of, of telling that, you know, like, I, I don't know. It honestly, it honestly baffled me when I saw it because it, you're not used to seeing that kind of meshing of a fantasy world in with a character's real world in that sense. And to see it, you know, envelop more and more of his life and be represented by it taking up more and more of the screen was, was really impressive. Yeah. And I think like along those lines like it's a great way to approach like mental illness in a way that's not uh kind of demonizing it in a way because i think a lot of times like mental illness is is viewed as a negative and where it can be a negative in this it's it's you know it's kind of the more interesting he's a very mundane life he literally chops fish heads off in a factory 
for mm-hmm. 10 hours a day. And so this is his way of escaping and the, the gameplay of like navigating the boat through these, uh, you know, these kind of rivers, a way of like traveling these different mystical lands. And then you like enter a castle at one point. And it, as you said, it keeps like getting more and more detailed and the real world fades more away from, from the character. And you're just kind of in this world now. Mm. Um, it is a it's a it's a beautiful section of the game and it's it, it's a very fun way to kind of experience that that existence um yeah i definitely i think that that of the vignettes is the one that stands out the most and it's one of the more detailed because mm. a lot because a lot of the ones in the house uh that you like experience like yes you have these moments where you're kind of outside of it but it's still reality is still there for the most part. Like you don't completely get pulled into something else, but this is one where you really get to experience a whole other setting uh, yeah. outside of the, the Finch house. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I, it was weird because I ended up doing the same as Lewis did. I ended up not focusing on the fish and focusing on what was <laughs> happening in the background. Yeah. Because it becomes this mundane thing of you move. Like I was playing on PC. You move the mouse to the left, to the right, and then you push up, and then to the left, to the right, and you mm-hmm. push up. And it becomes like muscle memory to the point where you don't need to focus on what is happening. You can focus on the fantasy setting yeah. and just let muscle memory do it for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, and I mean, it, it does feel like, you know, like, like daydreaming. Like we've all done stuff that's rather mundane or that's just like, as you're saying, like that muscle memory movement of like a repetitive task. And like you can, you know, I, I for example, I fill out Excel sheets uh, at work quite regularly and I can, you know, watch Twitch streams while doing that. And you can kind of just like at a certain point, once you've memorized the the way that you need to do things, you can just kind of let your mind do it on its own and then you can get lost in something else or a podcast you're listening to or the music you're listening to mm. um and so i think it, it it connects in that way where you're like yeah everyone's had a moment where they've just been doing something mindlessly while you know daydreaming or focusing on something else but his yeah. daydreams are quite detailed <laughs> yes yeah uh, i think the second one that sticks out is uh is barbara uh barbara was the the young girl in the family the child star uh, the is this the cat no that was molly no, the cat molly. was also very good um <laughs> barbara is the one that plays out like a comic strip oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um and so essentially barbara is a child star who has her time in the sun and then is cast away uh to the realms of us normies and the entire section of her story plays as a comic strip where you will be controlling Barbara in a first person stance. There's like one bit where you're walking around, your boyfriend has has gone off somewhere and hasn't come back and you're walking around with his crutch as a weapon. Mm-hmm. And it the, the entire fin pays out in that panel of the comic book. And then when you get to a certain point, it looks at the rest of the comic book and the, the page flips over and it carries on. And I'm oh, sorry. Um, the, the art style just matches it perfectly. It's got that like cell shell, cell shaded comic book <laughs> style to it. Um, and again, it was just a really clever way of, of telling, telling That's the story. Cool. 
because yeah. it's almost it's almost like a horror like movie right like that was the feeling yeah kind of because it's yeah the way that you come across it so each of the the deaths that you learn about are you find something in the person's room it may be a diary entry uh for lewis it was the therapist letter for barbara it's a comic book detailing mm. her life and her death <laughs> which is really strange yeah someone put a lot of effort into me <laughs> yeah but that's how you that's why it plays out like a comic book because the camera yeah. zooms in from your first person perspective to the comic book um and i just i thought that was brilliant yeah. molly molly nearly made my, my list of the three i think <laughs> just because that it's, was just, so it's a crazy. very strange it, it's one of the ones that i think doesn't connect as well to the person's life uh like i think the the thing that they're trying to get across is that molly could like speak to animals or or become an animal it was very confusing section but you play a Mm -hmm. section as like a a cat and you run across like the trellises and the branches of trees around the house and it's a it's a very um magical realist (laughs) section of the the scoring it's weird it's almost as if she's dreaming but then she's not um but yeah it's just it's very 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 interesting but the the one that i wanted to talk about the third one is i can't remember his name oh my god what is his name the baby gregory Mm. gregory you play as a baby gregory who um is in the bathtub um and your mum comes in to get you out of the bath and your mum and your dad are going through like a divorce and she goes away they start arguing on the phone and there's this whole section where you're controlling this toy frog Mm -hmm. and you're making the rubber duck stance and then you can (laughs) jump out of the bath and knock down a whale and you can jump on the whale's back and there's this whole like synchronized swimming piece that you can make happen by controlling the frog it's just it's very very surreal (laughs) i loved it but it's very surreal yeah what's also it's like it's very fun and almost like disney-esque in in the uh like the bathtub uh you know play it's like in the mind of a child almost where you're just like Mm -hmm. experiencing like the wonderment of having these toys unfortunately uh you know yeah gregory is the one who drowns in the bathtub yes (laughs) the ultimate sad ending of gregory um, but that's usually how this game like almost approaches death is in like, especially with the younger characters, it's like, yeah, they died, but it's always these like fun light experiences beforehand, which you, which you have to go through, which is, you know, I, I guess an interesting way to approach it. But, um, as you, you so soon learn in the uh, Finch house that everyone is dead. Yeah. <laughs> and, and all these stories uh, lead to an inevitable uh, death. Oh ending. my God. I forgot about uh, Sam. Sam is Edith's uncle who dies on a hunting trip. And the entire Finn plays out through photos. Mm-hmm. He was an avid photographer. And the way that you progress the story is that there'll be a certain Finn in the scene that you need to photograph. Um, and you can take pictures of other stuff and they'll comment on it and be like, oh, that's nice, but maybe you should find something else. And it will mm-hmm. be like a deer on a cliff. Um, but I just loved that because, again, it was just such an, uh, an original way of of telling it, you know. Yeah. 
I think I think the like one of the the most interesting parts about the mechanics of this game is it always keeps you guessing and it never feels like oh we've already experienced this like with every new vignette of every new family member you're like oh this is un- an unexpected way of of interacting with this world or of approaching this storytelling mm. um which and, and especially in a game that's only you know two hours three hours long uh that's really impressive because there's a lot of family members you go through there's a lot of different like gameplay mechanical styles that you experience but they all feel very different they all are fun they all Mm -hmm. keep you kind of continuing down the path of exploring you know the the family uh stories uh, as it were yeah i think the one that we haven't spoken about but is probably the most iconic is is calvin um calvin swings off of the edge of a cliff and dies <laughs> but when i was playing it when it happened i was like i've seen this clip before i've seen this gameplay footage of first person being on a swing doing the loop de loop around the tree like a 360 and mm-hmm. then going off the edge of the cliff um i was like i've seen this before but i never realized it was edith finch yeah um so no, yeah, there's a lot of like I- iconic moments you can st- steal from this game that are kind of oh, yeah. like very clippable because everything is so short and everything's so compressed in the way it tells story that you can be like oh there's a like as you climb up into the top of the tree house it's almost like a uh like a like a spaceship um which is a very interesting like it always keeps you guessing which mm. is one thing that i can say about this game is that right when you think like oh okay i know what to expect now you become a cat or you fly off a cliff or yeah. you explore a fucking graveyard with all of your relatives in it <laughs> it's just like oh, okay i guess i didn't know what was gonna happen next yeah so uh, do you want to go through all of the, the deaths and how it happens or i mean i think we can just stick with the with the main enough I, molly yeah. i didn't realize molly died after um eating toothpaste and holly berries because she wakes up in the middle of the night and she's like oh i'm hungry and she eats the holly berries from her ensuite bathroom Oof. yeah not not good decision making in this family for me no <laughs> so the reason that the homes were uh sealed up is because dawn edith's mother uh moves to india and marries a man called sanjay and she has three children mm-hmm. Lewis, Milton, and Edith, who you play as. Sanjay mm. dies in an earthquake, and so Dawn returns back to the Finch home. Uh, Milton just randomly disappears, and so the mum decides to seal off the bedrooms of the people who have died and essentially turn them into shrines, and then forbids her children from learning about the family history in order to try and counteract this curse that she thinks they have. Um, and then it goes on from there. You know, Lewis has issues. Um, and eventually, unfortunately, your mum dies, which is how you inherit the property. Yeah. And the the crazy thing is the ending of the game, because yeah. at, it's like an offshoot moment when you're climbing the tree to go to the top house or like to the next level of the house, you have to climb through a tree and climb on the branches that Molly was climbing on in her cat dream. And Mm. Edith makes this offhand comment about how she's like, oh, I wouldn't have done, if I knew there was this much climbing, I wouldn't have come when I was 22 weeks pregnant. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so the final scene of the game is the birth of Edith's son, uh, mm. which plays out as you coming out of the womb and into yeah. the light. And we find out <laughs> eventually that Edith actually died while giving birth to her son, Christopher. Which is who you are playing as during this experience. Yeah, during that final section. So yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, the ending of it is... How did you feel about the ending? Uh, I mean, the curse had to continue, you know, in, in some way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which makes sense. I don't know if I would have a child if I knew the uh, well, the so family history of this. That's the thing, like, you know, so it's like, is Edith in some way responsible for going and learning about the secrets of her family? Because it's not easy to do. I mean, this, this game gets classified as a walking sim, but there's lots of uh, pathways yeah. you have to go through and keys that you have to find in order it's not just a simple walking thing like there are no yeah there are twists and turns that you have to take through the house so it's kind of ambiguous and you're like you know is this just a sheer coincidence and a tragedy or did edith continue this curse by going in and learning the family history and also writing it down in a journal for her son to learn has she has she then passed this on I mean, on, on one hand, you know, it's easy to, to demonize Edith and the family for, you know, continuing to produce offspring and be like, <laughs> we ha- we know that this curse is. But as an allegory for life, like, you know, we've all had experiences that are negative. We know that life is, is going to be challenging and hard and, and have heartbreak and sadness. And, you know, the majority of individuals still choose to, to have children and, you know, subject them to the possibility of a, of a hard life and. Like, I think that's the commentary of this game is like, we all have family stories that are negative. We all have the curses, as it were, mm. uh, that we have to deal with. But we choose to to push forward in hopes of a, of a better life of maybe escaping that curse one day. Um, and I think that's what this game does best is it's, it, you know, it's a it's a way to look at life where there's hope always. And especially mm. in a family that has dealt with so much tragedy that has tried to escape its its darkness, even especially with the, the the children's sections of this game and with the, even with the mental illness, like there's a beauty in it. There's beauty in the sadness. There's beauty in the experience. Um, and like, that's what you get is like in the end it was worth it or it wasn't. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the choice we all have yeah. to make is, you know, is, is it worth it? Um, and, and, you know, at the end, uh, Christopher places flowers on Edith's grave and it's like, there's no anger there. Christopher obviously is not, upset at his mother for his existence he's you know he's thankful for it and he realizes the sacrifice she made knowing that only one member of the the finch family can survive at any given time um or will survive i should say um and so i think it's uh i think it's a it's a beautiful little story and it i don't know it's i'm not mad at the ending i <laughs> i accept it as the the, re- the reality of of our existence yeah i mean it's it's almost like this commentary on like you know like sorrow is unavoidable in life and it's it's yeah. how you choose to move on from the things that happen to you and you know how you how you choose to deal with it but yeah For sure. 
and I, I feel I feel this game connects in its themes very well with our with our next game as well. They're they're very uh, similar in their approach of, of vignettes of kind of normal life leading to something extraordinary. So I think they're oh, a yeah, good pairing. Yeah. I mean, in terms of gameplay, I don't feel like there's an awful lot to talk about, really. You you do essentially just kind of walk from place to place. Um, traversing the areas are fairly easy. There are nice little prompts. Uh, yeah. These, like, white dots to show you what you can interact with. Um, I, I don't really have anything to say about the gameplay, to be honest. I think it's just kind of standard, uh, quote-unquote, walk-in sim gameplay yeah i i think that it does approach the different stories with different mechanics like yeah Mm -hmm. it's a it's a walking sim in the sense that you're like exploring the house uh it's a it's a walking sim in the same way that like gone home is a walking sim which is like okay sure like yes you have to walk you're a human um but no i think i think mechanically it keeps it interesting by approaching each of the different family members in a different way and telling their story um, where it doesn't get as as kind of grueling or, or boring in passages of like how Journey does in a sense where you really can't interact with the world and you're experiencing things mm. around you. You're almost a passive protagonist. This you're you're active in the sense that you're doing things within the story, though they have no effect on how, you know, the narrative unfolds. You still feel like you're participating in it in some way, which um, and I think that the short time of it also helps in that. Like if this game was six hours long, they would have to work a lot harder to to make it feel active. Yeah, because it's so short, it's just like it's a movie length. So you're just kind of sitting there and, and and in some way experiencing it, but also kind of participating in the world around you. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's um, yeah, I, I feel like the gameplay is definitely in those vignettes that we were talking about and how they approach each story a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of your thoughts on the game, if you was mm-hmm. to to recommend it for somebody based on on what you remember i mean it seems to have made a, a pretty lasting impression on you you, you seem to remember yeah. it quite vividly from like two plus years ago <laughs> uh yeah i think it is i get i get the the uh kind of deeming it a, a piece of art almost like i understand that from from a contextual perspective someone who doesn't experience video games i think it is very beautiful it is a perfect amount of time for someone to like get into this kind of gameplay. Like if the only games you've experienced are triple A long form games where you're playing, you know, a 25, 50 hour story. Um, I think this is perfect for you. And I think this is perfect for like, if you have a relative or family member or partner who's like, Oh, you know, I don't really like video games or, you know, video games are a waste of time or the kind of traditional tropes. And, and I think we've outgrown that a little bit in, in culture, but I mean, I, there are definitely still people who, who have that view, like have them sit and play Edith Finch because it doesn't require a ton of technical understanding. And it is truly a interesting, beautiful story to experience. And I think the art style as well lends itself to not challenging people too much. Like there's definitely in, independent games where I play where I'm like, okay, this is a weird art style and people are going to be put off by this if they don't have experience with that. But this is very just cartoonish, drawn, lasting art style, which I think will will lend itself uh, to, to aging well. I mean, obviously, this game is 
at this point four or five years old and and it doesn't feel dated at least uh, in my opinion i don't know about how you feel about that but um yeah so I, i would recommend this game for anyone who's on the edge of whether video games can, you know, be as effective, I guess, as cinema or be as effective as, as other art forms in, in telling story and making you feel connected to characters. Um, and, and I think it's just a beautiful experience. And really, you can do it in a weekend. And that's like, once again, that's the benefit is like, sit down on a Saturday morning, play through your bench, and you can still, you know, have a nice dinner somewhere. So, uh, yeah. 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 I mean, I feel like I echo a lot of what you said I, I was looking up while you was talking to see if it was on android i don't believe it is i know it is on ios yeah. um so you could even play it that way but yeah i mean i i agree it's one of those games that is is i don't want to say timeless but i, I guess technically is timeless you know all games are timeless in some <laughs> sense but some games you play and you're like oh this is aged really badly but yeah. Uh, I can't imagine Edith Finch in 10 years' time feeling like an aged game unless yeah. indie games take some massive wild turn that I'm not <laughs> expecting. But I do I do feel like... Every, I feel like I agree with everything that you said, really. Like, you know, you could sit your uncle or your nan down and be like, you know... Cause it, it's, almost, it's almost like a movie in which you control the protagonist. I wouldn't even mm-hmm. so say, say so much that it's a game. It's, it's much more movie-esque, in my opinion, especially with the way that it tells the stories and the stories that it tells. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if you... I mean, obviously, if you're if you're like, oh, I play for the gameplay, I'm, I don't really play for the story, I don't... Then <laughs> it's not going to be for you. But... <laughs> If I you, always forget that those people exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That there are some people who just play like God of War for the combat. But yeah. uh, if you if you definitely want a game with a good story and an interesting play style and really creative ways of telling the story, then yeah, hundred percent. What remains of Edith Finch? Um, I mean, I played it on Game Pass. You can get you can get three months for a pound, or I, I believe it's like five or six dollars on iOS if you wanted yeah. to buy it that way. Yeah, I mean, I, as far as the value goes, like even though it's short, because I know a lot of people, like personal friends of mine, who who define like, oh, like the way I justify video games is like if I buy a seventy dollar game, you know, it's gonna take me twenty, you know, thirty hours of playthrough, and like I can do the math and figure out, you know, how much value I'm getting, like. This game is is worth whatever it's going for. I mean, luckily it's not a seventy dollar game, but even if it was, like I think the experience of it is worth it enough to justify it, mm. um, which I do not think in a lot of games is. But I think this is this is a unique experience. It's kind of like the the journey effect almost, where it's you know something so unique, a, a different approach to telling story, a different approach than anything in video games, where it's just like to contextualize, especially for us who spend a lot of time thinking about video games talking about video games trying to understand where different games kind of sit in in the spectrum of of everything like this is a keystone title that can help you define where other games sit and, and it'll definitely be used as something that other games are based on and their approach and like you could say oh like oh this took you know some part of what remains of edith finch 
in this next title or, or, or however you want to, you know, say that. But I, I think this is something that is really important and kind of a key moment, especially in independent games where something broke through and did something incredibly different and, and kind of redefined what is possible within this, uh, within this world. Yeah. And I mean, just before we, we jump onto our next game, I would also say that this is a great game like a great gateway game for anyone who is looking to get into more story focused games you know if you if you enjoy playing your assassin's creed and you like the combat but you know you're like i I wish i understood the lore a bit more and I, i wish i could get into it or if you have a friend like that i would say that what remains of edith finch is probably as close to a perfect introduction game as you could get it's short it's easy to play it tells a good story and it tells it in a good way um and i think really that that is probably almost the perfect introduction to to that style of game yeah but uh do you want to do you want to introduce the game that i recommended to you (laughs) Yeah, so uh, Ben recommended a game that I wanted to play uh, when I saw the release trailer for it because I <laughs> simp for Annapurna. Uh, the Last Stop. I did not really have any context around as far as like the actual story of what the game was about. My understanding was it was kind of a uh, multiple storyline slice of life game uh, where it took place some part in a subway station, uh, so hence the name and a lot of the uh, kind of art that was released around the game. Yeah. Um, uh, and until playing it, I had no idea that there was supernatural elements kind of intertwined with it um, in the game opens that very early on with the kind of opening disconnected scene from the rest of the stories that you, you play through. Um, but yeah, so I don't remember when it was released. I think 2019, correct? Uh, it was actually 2021, July 22nd, 2021. Oh, Time is a flat circle. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like this game was released so long ago. Well, it's, it's relatively new, so I'm glad we're talking about it. Um, and... Uh, yeah, go for it. No, I was just going to say, yeah, like it does. It does start off um, very strange. It starts off in nineties, nineteen eighties London. Uh, two friends, Peter and Samantha, they steal. It says they steal a Bobby's helmet from an officer. They steal the hat <laughs> off of a policeman, <laughs> and they take the a service tunnel of the London Underground. Um, they get to a dead end, which is a metal door the door samantha opens the door um oh no sorry they find an older man the old man opens the door and is like oh go on through and samantha's like yeah okay all right fine (laughs) yeah uh but peter hesitates and is left behind and is is captured by the police uh but he tries to open the door later like a couple of minutes afterwards and the portal is now gone it's just a brick wall it's and like then the game jumps forward <laughs> yeah. 40 years and covers the stories of our three uh, protagonists. Yeah, and I can, I'll can i just go through and, and like share kind of the 
context the game gives you around uh, the individual. So the three uh, different stories are titled Paper Dolls, Domestic Affairs, and Stranger Danger. And you play kind of three protagonists, which is John, Mina, and Donna. Um, so the the shtick, I guess, with, with John is that he's kind of an old uh, divorced dad or or, you know, single dad uh, raising a daughter. And he switches bodies with a, a young, handsome programmer, kind of, uh, you know, bachelor type called Jack. Uh, and the game develops from there. And we can, we can kind of go into to that story. And then Mina is this uh, intelligence agent of sorts, kind of like CIA is what I imagine, though it, it may be like a private firm of some kind. And she's badass investigation uh, woman. Um, and she is being passed up for a promotion by another uh, employee called Amy. And uh, her story kind of out of all of them deviates the most. She then uh, has a whole subplot with her father and around a drug dealer uh, named Spider. <laughs> um, very interesting story, but that's kind of her her path. She's also uh, unfaithful to her husband, um, which is another subplot of her story. And then there's uh, Donna, who's a teenage student who sees a very handsome man who takes women and men into his home and then the women and men are never seen again and so her and her group of friends investigate this man and end up kidnapping him uh, and holding him hostage and that's kind of uh, where her story goes from there and the way the the game is told is that between e there's six chapters and between each chapter you see the three individuals sitting on a subway car and you can select one of the characters to start within that chapter and then you play through the rest as you as you move your way through the game which is an interesting way of approaching you know the storytelling and, and separating it and making it an easy digestible sections where you can be like okay i played through chapter one i'm gonna stop i'll i'll pick it up at another time. yeah or, or even like there were times when i was i was playing it in my spare time because i mean i don't know if he's he'll listen to this but um eric of game positive uh podcast i listened to who i got introduced to through jared he did this series on his podcast called What I Love About, and he did Last Stop, and it intrigued me. I wanted to go play it. So I would do things like I would play the part of the chapter for, say, like Mina and John, and then leave it and come back and do Donna later on or another day. It's, it's a very easy mm -hmm. game to dip in and out of because we should say you can't, you can't go through all of say donna's uh story um and there is no. a very good reason for that because in the final chapter the two the three <laughs> stories do converge over one another yeah um but and there's there's little hints um through the game of them connecting that you can pick up on like amy who is the woman who is getting uh, the promotion over Mina is Jack's girlfriend mm -hmm. uh, or they, they went on a date and there's like a section where you're running through the park with John and Jack and you know, Oh, Jack's phone rings and John answers and he's like, let me talk to Amy. And so you get these like little moments of like, Oh, these people are intertwined in some, you know, meaningful way. Um, and then slowly, I mean, really everything happens within the last kind of two chapters of this game as far as uh, <laughs> the entire plot being turned and them connecting, which is, yes. uh, it's been described as a slow burn, and I would agree with that. Is It really pays off to make it all the way through. Um, but yeah, they all do end up being connected, so you have to kind of play each character with each chapter. It doesn't matter which way you approach that, but in chapter one, you have to play all three characters, and in chapter two, you have to play all three yes. characters. 
So, how do we go about this? Let's let's <laughs> explain how all of them lead up to the final chapter. That probably feels like yeah. the best way. Sure. So, with Paper Dolls, which is John and Jack who switch bodies, uh, eventually uh, they're trying to figure out how to get back into each other's bodies and are uh, not having any luck. And both of them end up losing their jobs. We should say John has a, John has a daughter as well. John, yes, John has a daughter, which adds a whole other dynamic <laughs> in this. And, that is, and she's she's adopted as well. So the the British social services are involved in ensuring that she is being looked after uh, more so than biological children, which is strange when you say it out loud. But yeah. So they are they are very much like we're going to come around and make sure there's food and make sure she's being looked after, um, and so the yeah that that yeah. adds to that whole dynamic of of everything happening. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And and it's it's difficult to talk about this, this section because it's like John and Jack's body, Jack and John's body. Really should have given both not J names, so it's easier to talk about. But uh, John, who is the older man who has the adopted daughter, ends up suffering a heart attack, um, and then. This is with the younger man in him, so just a strange thing to say. Mm -hmm. uh, and then John, uh, who is Jack, is contacted by someone called the Vape Lord. Um, very millennial. Prof <laughs> yeah, profoundly uh, <laughs> strange name for an individual um, who, who ends up being brothers with a guy named Frank, uh, who is the old man at the beginning of this section who actually... Uh, switches their bodies. So what happens is they're they're running through, I believe, the the underground station, uh, and they hit this this elderly man. They kind of run into one another, and they get in an argument. And this man walks up to them and grabs both of their wrists, and that's when he switches their body with some we assume supernatural power that was uh, kind of shown to us at the beginning of this game with the the story of of Samantha and mm -hmm. Peter. Um, and so, yes, John is contacted by the Vape Lord, who is the brother of Frank. Um, and then the Vape Lord apologizes for his brother's actions and ends up allowing them to go through the green portal to talk to Frank and get their bodies. Uh, yeah, I love, I love the fact that <laughs> the whole reason that their bodies got swapped is because they bumped into Frank and Frank got pissed off and thought, you know what, screw yeah. you. And then just completely forgot to swap their bodies back. And his brother is just like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. He kind of he gets hot headed. Like, yeah. I mean, I like I like to think that both of them uh, had their flaws that were approached and addressed by swapping bodies with one another. Like, I feel like you know, Jack was kind of he thought he was hot shit, and then had to be an old man for a while, or continues to be an old man. And we'll get to the to the choices you have to make at the ending of this game. Um, but it, you know they kind of address the uh, the the issues in one another by switching mm. bodies and really learning to accept and love their their existence regardless of of what their body looks like. Yeah, um, and the, the, <laughs> maybe hopefully the the caveat with their story is that John, the old man in the body of Jack, travels through this portal, but he has two tokens, and. He needs a token for each way that he travels, so he needs both to get there and back. But mm. when he arrives on the other side of this portal, he has unknowingly lost his return token. 
and that plays out later in the final chapter when he realizes that he's now stuck in this alternate world uh yeah. with the other person in his body on the brink of death after suffering a heart attack yes um then with mina who is the uh intelligence agent um as we said she is trying to get a promotion at work who is gonna go to a woman named amy um as she goes and talks to her father there's there's a lot of different aspects of her story she's cheating on her husband uh and she is just kind of having a shitty life in general she doesn't have a great relationship with her son um and she's not really putting any effort in to fix anything. She goes and talks to her father. And her father reveals that he's uh, buying drugs. Because, you know, life is boring, man. And he's retired. And he needs something to do. Um, and so I think it's like cocaine. I don't remember exactly yeah, what it's drug. Cocaine, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's cocaine. And so she convinces her father to uh, tell her where he got the drugs. And because it's presumed she's in some form of, of law enforcement. Um, I should also say that part of her playthrough and her mechanic is there's these quick time events where she does like these like investigations and she kind of like breaks down people's i don't know like threat assessment i think is yeah she's like threat assessments and like it's interesting it's it's kind of a it's a nice break from the kind of mundane walking normal interaction uh dialogue of the game um but she goes to this guy spider who's a drug dealer and then puts him in like a can like headlock pretty much and tells him to to get lost um and then she gets a note that says you know we're gonna kill your family pretty much uh, that she knows of their affair um and then the uh, spider and amy and mina uh, come together and it ends up that spider and amy kill each other uh, and then she will be blackmailed um for this death uh, and that's how she her story kind of develops. Um, and she enters Amy's uh, apartment and sees that Amy has been stalking her. She was the one who figured out about her affair. She was the one who figured out about all of her secrets. Uh, but obviously, Amy is now dead along with Spider. Uh, so she goes to Peter, who's the boss at work, to call him out. And she learns that the mission is to enter the green portal uh, that we have seen uh, in the game now. Um, and that she has to go look for uh, Samantha and so that's how her story kind of develops and then her decisions around the murder of Bo Spider and Amy and kind of at the end of the game is the choice you have to make um, regarding that and which we can get into as, as those stories converge but that's how she ends up in the alternate reality is through the through the work because now Amy's gone she's the only one who's qualified to to go through the green portal mm. then with Donna uh, you keep talking. Donna. Sorry, you keep uh, talking. So, I'm going to do something quick, but you keep explaining. And I'll be back in two seconds. <laughs> no, no problem. Uh, Donna is a teenage student. As I said, she has two friends, Vivek and Becky, that are observing this man who they believe is kidnapping and murdering people. Um, the man has the strange powers. We learn as they corner him in kind of like a pool area. He is has the green glow power that we've seen throughout this game um and so her and donna and this man uh, start talking and get closer she talks about her, her problems with her family she's a very overbearing uh, cop sister um and so out of out of donna's sight at this time uh, the man uses his powers to completely uh like capture her family 
sort of. Uh, she she wipes Tamara, Emma, Vivek, and Becky from Donna's memory, leaving her alone in the pool. And then she tells her that she can take her elsewhere, which we imagine is the green portal, which it is. Um, and then they end up going to the the green portal and disappear into the other realm where all of our other characters uh, are. And this leads kind of into the last chapter. Um, so now that's the end of chapter five. Everyone kind of ends up in this secondary world. And then the three stories begin to converge in chapter six. Yes. Yeah. So it, it begins chapter six is, is strange um, because this whole time, like you said, you you've had like, I mean, body swapping is weird enough, but you did have that whole kind of, you know, uh, the the younger man now in the older man's body is, I mean, they start spending a lot of time together. They don't really know each other. Um, John keeps receiving Jack's mail, the younger person's mail, and he keeps going to get it to him. And that's how they kind of know each other in a way. Um, but mm-hmm. they start spending more time together. And, you know, Jack is is teaching John kind of the new ways of technology and, you know, like new ways to do things. And John is teaching Jack, like, you know, you need to plan for your future. You need to be thinking ahead. You're paying too much rent on this absolute ludicrous property. Um, But so let's, so Donna goes through the pool and she she's been taken somewhere by this stranger and so they are on the train and an alien starts talking to the man about donna and she starts questioning you know is this is this child with you blah 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 blah. he gets pissed off and makes the alien disappear and immediately donna puts two and two together and realizes that he has got rid of her friends and family (laughs) disappeared them as it were yes yeah because i mean she also has a love interest that he makes disappear yeah um so there's that and then they go to like some i don't know what the building is but it's an important looking building in this town in the other realm council's chambers oh okay it's it's just like a big you know government building as it were yeah so Uh, And then our story takes a real aggressive turn because Donna freaks out that she's with this, like, you know, the stranger who she's been with and uh, kills him with a sword, which I'm just like, why? (laughs) This is the part of the game where I was like, that's a choice. That's not a choice I would have made. Yeah. (laughs) For an alien land. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to kill this person. (laughs) So Donna, Donna is in this council chamber. Mina comes through the portal, lands on an alien who turns out to be very nice and guides her to this town. And she ends up in the council chamber to try and find out what's happening in this world. John finds Frank and Frank apologizes about the swap. He's like, Oh yes, that's my bad. And he gives him a bracelet to undo it. Now I can't remember how John ends up in the council chamber, but he ends up Uh, meeting the other two. Yeah, I know. Maybe the 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 portal where he has to use the coin to get back. Oh, I think there. I think he uh, loses. He realizes he's lost his token. He lost his co- yeah, he lost. And his Frank token, says yeah. to him, "Oh, you need to go to the council chamber and ask for another one back, like to get back." So that's mm-hmm. how he ends up there. 
Um, yeah. yeah, Donna. Donna randomly stabs the stranger, which <laughs> feels very sudden. And I mean, I, I think you kind of implied it, but I would have liked a choice. Yeah. You know, I would have liked a yeah. choice of whether to stab this stranger or not. Uh, or just or anything else. Like, I feel like you didn't like there's other laws you could. Well, because what happens is, is they're then put on trial for murder. Mm-hmm. All three of them. For some reason, there you know, even though one of them did the stabbing, they all get arrested for murder. Do you guys not have uh, that in the U.S.? I I I don't think so. Okay, well, you're in the U.K. I mean, in the unless you try to cover it up and like you're like actually helping the individual. If you're just standing around and someone murders someone, you're not like. You oh know. no. Okay, so like in in the U.K., like say say you're walking down the street with a friend. And a friend mm-hmm. gets into an altercation with somebody, and your friend stabs that person. You can be done for murder just by being in association with them. Uh, no, that is not a thing uh, at all, uh, unless you are like active in holding the individual, and even then, it's a lesser charge. Like you're not charged with murder; you're charged with like abetting murder, or, like yeah, assisting I, in murder. I don't know if it's like murder that you get charged with, but I know I know you get do get charged with a pretty hefty crime um and well in alien land you're sentenced to death yeah <laughs> That's yeah three of them they're just like we're gonna kill all of you this can you is imagine the, being fucking mina or john <laughs> yeah you're just like you you're literally just trying to figure out a, some alien asshole switched your body you're just trying to figure out how to get back home then some girl stabs someone and you're like sorry but you're you're sentenced to death now <laughs> like, what <laughs> Um, fortunately, though, Mina, uh, who uses her super agent powers, uh, has explosives on her and other gadgetry that allows them to distract the guards and escape the uh, the area that they're being judged in. Which um, is um, it, it, it's it's a bad part on the aliens. So that they're, they're in this like coliseum looking <laughs> place, and yeah. the the aliens bring in the suit that Mina traveled into this world in. And unbeknown to them, there is a bomb in the suit so that Mina can blow it up and stop them reverse engineering the technology to be able to travel or something. Mm -hmm. Um, But essentially, they they bring it up and they have it in this arena on this like stone table and she blows up the suit in order to create a distraction so they can run. And Mm. yeah, I mean, they. this is where it gets... A little bit weird as well because it's like a chance encounter yeah not it's very chance encounter they end up escaping and they go into a pub and they find samantha from the beginning of the game who is now old uh and uh of course mina who's there to rescue samantha is like hey you're gonna come back right and samantha's like no i have a life here in alien land now and like i'm okay uh but then convenient for plot samantha knows how they can get back to earth Hmm. Uh, and then uh, after they distract some guards guarding the portal where Samantha tells them to go, the three then return to their lives on Earth, which is just a lot of like very convenient. <laughs> yeah, it's it plays out in the last chapter. It's it's one of those. I mean, we'll get into it with our final thoughts, but like it's one of those. It's one of the few uh, Annapurna games I've played where. Uh, this, the story falls apart for me. I loved the gameplay. It was the same with 12 minutes. Like I didn't, I yeah. didn't 
like the way the story played out, but I respected what they did with the gameplay. And it's the same with this, you know, the the way that the stories broke up and everything leading up to Donna stabbing the stranger is brilliant. Yeah. Uh, oh, you, you, I sense disagreement. This. I mean, some of no, it is like, a bit, I think a bit patchy, some of it before, like yeah yeah for sure um there's some sections which which i'll go into that i'm like mm, this is weird and then a lot of the decision making in this game feels like it has no like impact like there's a lot of times i made choices to like take a certain tone mm-hmm. where i'm like i want to be a nice person and then suddenly the tone that the person will use is like completely opposite of that oh, where i'm like oh i'm curse. sorry and they're like i'm fucking sorry and i'm like what, what happened yes but no the, that's not what i meant it's the telltale curse isn't it it's, yeah you know Yes, it's exactly what it reminded me of playing Telltale games and being like, oh, this is definitely what they mean by this. <laughs> the exact opposite. I'm like, oh, shit. Um, and then also you get like achievements for uh, like making certain relationships better than others in the game. And so like I got an achievement for pissing Vivek off. And I was like, I was trying to be nice. Like I was selecting the options I believed were the nice options. And so if you're going to build like achievements in the game, which I know are not important for the story at all, but like at least make it easy to contextually understand like what are the correct options to yeah go through anyway at the end of the game you go through the portal and then you're given two options for all of the characters um for john you can either decide to swap bodies or to continue living life in jack's younger body which i mean for me it was a pretty easy decision to like switch bodies mm-hmm. like i feel like like you're committing like unreasonable crime if you're leaving someone yeah so (laughs) let's talk about all them in a bit of detail so yeah like you said you've got the choice survivor putting john back in his body and having him potentially die even though he has an adopted daughter (laughs) or leaving the young man in the old man's body no yes and have the have the young man in the old man's body die and essentially kill jack which is I don't know who would choose to to live out life like in Jack's younger body. I guess there's someone out there, but I was like, okay, well, this is I mean, we we did also like the entire plot is is put to you switching your bodies back. They both want to switch back. Yes. So like yeah. you you finally got there. Why would you like not go through with that at the very end? Where you're just I like, mean, no, I'm going to live in the young body. It, it it so happens that I I did also swap back and I put John in John's body and Jack in Jack's body and John ends up actually surviving. Yeah. And you see mm-hmm. Jack pushing him in a wheelchair and Jack and Donna have grown closer and now Jack is almost like a part of he's he's a very close family friend to John yeah. and Don uh Donna. Not what's the kid's name? Uh, I can't remember, but John and John's daughter. Molly. Molly. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so them two become closer for it, mm-hmm. which do you know what kind of makes me want to go back or like I might look on YouTube and see what happens if you leave if you leave their bodies swapped and see if he survives and then essentially comes he, to you and is like what the fuck? Yeah, I was reading about it. I think he dies. Um, oh really? So, yeah, Jack and John's body passes away, and then they take the daughter away, and you're just left alone, but in the younger body. Oh, that 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's almost like um, a punishment for choosing the the morally incorrect <laughs> option, which is as it should be. I mean, the same thing for uh, like Mina's options. Um, they're both they're both pretty bad, and as well as Donna. Uh, Donna in particular has like two rough options. So to get into Donna's, uh, you return, and the ghost of the stranger, uh, who is the guy you captured at the beginning and you ultimately kill, shows up. And he uh, presents you with a deal. Uh, you have two options. You can either... He will return all of the people you ever loved. Um, but you have to, after you die, go live with him for all eternity in the realm in which he exists in, wherever that may be. Uh, or you can not have any of the people you ever loved return to you uh, and live alone uh, forever, uh, for the most part. But know that you will have whatever the normal afterlife for a human would be. Um, so I chose to bring everyone back, but then you're marked for life uh, to, you know, be owned by this stranger who you killed. Um, and then the other option, if you choose to not have your family restored, um, then you just are alone in the house. Uh, and the only thing that you have is a house plant and that the realization that you will, this is your life forever. You will just be alone and sad forever. So neither of those are very good things. Which one did you uh, pick? I chose the um, to bring the family back and to be marked for all eternity. Interesting. I went the other way. I, I, so we, we should say like the, the, the context to it is that the stranger is very possessive of Donna. And yes. as time goes on, you realize that he's, as the as the player, you realize he's getting rid of characters almost to control her, to isolate her so that she is on her own and then she comes to him. It's very manipulative. Yeah. And so I I was like, no, I'm not putting this girl under your fucking control at all whatsoever. So I got that one where she is cleaning the kitchen and uh, she has a house yeah. plant and stuff. Apparently, here's... Go on. Here, my logic was... Like, okay, my outcomes are I get to have a happy life with all the people I love and I know what is going to happen to me after I die or I can be alone and sad during life and then after I die, I don't know what the outcome is. It could be great. It could be terrible. It could be nothing. And so I was like, if I was in that situation, I'd rather take the known than the unknown and have the people that I love around me and not have to live like my only real life in quotations alone. So that was my that was my selection choice. It was the mental gymnastics I did to, to get to that <laughs> so, uh, conclusion. Uh, I was just looking up John. So uh, John's story. Sorry, just to go back to it. Um, mm -hmm. So as you said, if you make the choice to switch back, there's that whole situation where he's pushing him down the road. But it says, yeah, I don't know if this is true. It says... If he makes the choice not to switch back, John receives a letter about the guardianship of Molly with the looming prospect she could be taken away. Jack, in his older body, is confined to a bed and John is taking care of him. The two exchange oh. a small smile and John later sees the bracelet that could make the swap, but he locks it in a drawer along with the letter about the guardianship. He seems content to live a life that is defined by the freedom of the younger body while also being forever built upon deception. However, it's not all terrible as Jack is up and moving. Uh, he even gets a diploma and takes a celebratory photo with John and Molly that goes up on the fridge in remembrance. So, I mean, I I don't want to feel like a dick for saying it, but I would rather that if you didn't swap, he died. Yeah. 
that just makes sense like that is the moral choice that you're making is that like because like the whole game is built upon this premise that you're like once the heart attack happens that you need to switch to like save him almost like that's the idea like you've trapped this young individual well you haven't but life has trapped this young individual in this old body that is failing and like you need a way to overcome that so to not like i feel like that's the the logical outcome uh, I thought I read that, but I guess I guess not. I was reading the the other endings to this game earlier this morning, but I must have. Uh, but I mean, I gotten confused. But I feel like that would be the outcome. Yeah, no, I mean, I genuinely I wanted to look it up because I wasn't I didn't know what the other Donner ending was or the other Mina ending because obviously I made a certain choice. Yeah, um, and it was well. And the other thing is that Donna and Mina's endings, regardless of what you choose, are both bad. Like, yeah, being marked for life. And having to go with the stranger after you die, bad. Being alone forever, bad. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like Mina's, Mina's choices are pretty much to go to prison <laughs> or to uh, to ruin her marriage, uh, which is like also bad options. Like neither of her options are great. <laughs> so for for John and Jax to be like, yeah, these are two these are two okay options. Like that seems that seems weird. Yeah, it <laughs> does seem very weird. But yeah, like you said, I mean, Mina is. Um... Uh, so she goes in to talk with her boss, Peter, um, mm-hmm. who, you know, is pushing her to bring back Samantha. Um, and she says, you know, there's this whole thing where you can say to him, like, she has another life. And did you go down that route? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it seemed yeah. like the logical it- thing. You say to him, you know, like, look, it's been 40 years. She has this other life in this other existence. Like, and so your boss essentially tries to blackmail you and says that as punishment for not succeeding your mission, he has photos of you being implicated in what he calls a double murder, which is when Mm -hmm. Spider and Amy shot one another and they both died. Yeah. Um, And so you're now forced to either take a demotion and essentially... uh, so uh, so it says you take a de- you take a demotion and you live out the rest of your days in a cubicle sad uh at your choice and then also because of taking the demotion you are no longer able to uh keep your marriage together um and you can visit your child but like what the scene is is that you go to the house and you're able to hug your son outside of the house but you can't come in because your relationship with your husband who you were unfaithful to the entire game has fallen apart and you're miserable with your little life and your yes. shitty job. Uh, the other option is that you're like, fuck you, I'm going to quit. And then you you are then charged with the murders and you go to prison for a long time. But your daughter and your husband come visit you and your husband forgives you for the being unfaithful, even though you're in prison. Yeah. Which is two horrible options. Those are not good. What did you um, what did you pick for, for Mina? Uh, I chose to quietly accept the lower position in the company, and uh, I don't know if that was the right choice. I maybe prison and love is better than you know. Well, so I I chose to stick stick to my guns um, mm. because my thought process was, you know, that you you find out that essentially Peter's been playing you the whole fucking time. He he brought Amy in to like rile you up. Um, and now he's trying to blackmail you for something that is very much not your fault. (laughs) Um, so I was like, no, fuck it. And you know, I, 
I don't know what one is is worse, you know? Yeah. I mean, the part of my problem, too, is I did not like Mina this entire... Mina is not a lovable character. Oh, she is a Mina's fucking... An- bitch like from yeah she's an asshole through the entire character she's unfaithful to her husband she shows no remorse for anything she's done she is just super independent and rude and she it is the game does not set you up to be like wow i really love this character and so it's like uh, yeah like at the end like my my thought process was with choosing the like lower position i was like this is what you deserve like you've oh, done like, nothing positive this entire game it's like a comeuppance like, almost yeah and like seeing her at the end with her uh like her family like she could visit her son but like obviously her marriage is over like she caused that she she was she was unfaithful during her marriage and like blatantly so to the point where like even the daughter of the man she was unfaithful with was like are you fucking serious what are you doing with your life but did you Um, notice that the the daughter of the man that she was cheating with is not a friend but she knows donna and teases donna and becky when she sees him in the street yeah i mean i feel like okay like okay she lost her relationship with her husband but let's be honest that was fucking ruined anyway like (laughs) yeah yeah, she did that (laughs) that would have happened regardless but Uh, not only is she not in prison but she now seems to be building a relationship with her son that she was incapable of doing beforehand yes um yeah. And okay, I mean, she does she does get a relationship with her son, but she is also in prison in the other fucking in the other situation. Um, all right, okay, let's let's go to to your overall thoughts. Do you want me to go first, or? Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's your game technically. Um, so f- I mean, I played this quite recently. I played this a few months back, and like I said, it was bits of it are very touch and go leading up to chapter six to the finale um i was i was very i think i was the most invested in donna's story just because of this whole you know like donna's got this whole thing where she has this friend becky and becky is lying about going to a party and vivek is a love interest but then he's also spending a lot of time with becky and you know, it it was just it was much more interesting to me, and honestly, it, it felt more it felt the most human of the three stories. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mina. I never, I never really liked Mina. I really didn't. You know, <laughs> from the get go, she is like she's the the stereotypical stone hearted soldier. You know, she is yeah. a soldier for this company or the british government or whoever it is mm-hmm. and so because of that it's very hard to connect with her john and jack i i connected with john and jack but it's also by far the goofiest of the three stories yeah and you know I, it's probably my second favorite but i would say that donna's story is the one that gripped me the most there are sections like i said like there is um there's this weird section in donna's story where you're like throwing empty gas canisters at fins it's it's so it's so it's the rocks at the right it's where you're throwing the rocks on the roof at like the different i thought they were the canisters of like the nitrous oxide oh yeah yeah yeah, it's then it's then yeah 
we don't have those here so that's why <laughs> i was like what are, these? Like what all, are these kids doing it's like our version of whippets i don't know like yeah yes i'm not cool so i didn't do those but i know what that is <laughs> but yeah cool it's is cool no no um <laughs> but it, it, it's weird because you have this great story that is explored through these sometimes strange gameplay mechanics and other times really interesting mm-hmm. gameplay mechanics and so i feel like that's kind of why i enjoyed dipping in and out because after i did a weird gameplay part i was like Do you know what i think i think i think that's enough last stop for today i'm going to come back to it and the yeah. way that the game's done is very convenient to allow you to do it um the ending fell apart for me i, I won't lie um like I said, it all, it, it all kind of goes downhill after Donna stabs the stranger for no reason. Like, I understand that she's in she's in peril, you know. She's with this yeah. super manipulative guy in the world that she doesn't know. But it's just kind of strange as a player to have that sprung on you in a game that's all about choice. And yeah. then for for the endings to be you know, almost as benign as they are. Like, it's, it's very lackluster. Um, but again, similar to... to um, What's it? To 12 Minutes. I I respect the fact that Annapurna took a chance on this and published it. You know, I, I think it's a very good example of how multiple stories can be told in one game and then converge later on i think it's just the execution that holds it back yeah but i would say play it you know it's it, i would i mean it's on game pass that's that's the problem right yeah i was don't we always we always come back to these games it's on game pass and like if, if you're on if you're on game pass like would i say pay for it i wouldn't I personally wouldn't pay more than like $20 for this. Like $20, $25. I mean, I'm talking pounds. 20 25 pounds are like $30. 30. Yeah. I I feel like if I paid any more than that, I would feel not slightly robbed, but, you know, robbed. <laughs> not robbed. Robbed, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. Yeah. What about yourself? Yeah, I think that like one one thing I've realized in in doing all of these game reviews and and contextualizing them and talking about like, oh, is it worth it? Is it not worth it? Like I never hold anything to the same standard as I hold like the endings of these podcasts and being like, is it worth it? Because like there are movies I love that are objectively bad, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like Starship like, they're just like That is... Yeah, sh- sh- ex- exactly. Movies just like that, where it's like, yeah, of course, like, if you're applying the same logic of, like, is this as good as something as, like, you know, enter famously good movie, Pulp Fiction, which I know is contested, but obviously, like, something that's classically, like, amazing. Like, cause that's what I do with these games, right? Is I'm like, okay, all the independent games I've played and all, the, like, the big titles I've played, how does this compare? Which I don't know if it's necessarily fair. I think, in the end, this was a very interesting way of approaching storytelling. I think it did a really great job of, in a video game setting, taking three 
independent narratives and kind of guiding you through them. I wish there was a little more overlap. Like there's these like little Easter egg moments where there's like this brief, you know, oh, like, oh, they're connected. Mm-hmm. And like until you get to the very end, I wish there was more of that. Like there, there was so much opportunity to play with having these characters kind of overlap with one another in their weaving stories. Oh my God, yeah. Um, Sorry, I just, when you said that, I just realized that Mina's husband is Molly's teacher. Yeah. So there could have been an overlap there. Like they could have had to, they could have been a parents evening or something. And, you know, John, yeah. John with the young man's soul in him had to go and be Molly's dad. Like, yeah. And and I get the, I get the, the approach. Like I can, I can understand when they were writing this, like not wanting it to overlap too much or feeling too cliche of like, Oh, these stories are connected. And like, I think there's a balance there. Like there could have been too much. There could have, there is too little in my opinion. And so finding some, some sort of medium there, uh, the ending felt rushed and it felt disconnected, especially because you spend like the game's premise is very interesting in the sense that you start with this very supernatural action packed beginning. You're running through, you know, the, the London tube being chased by a police officer and like you escape through this portal and like it it grips you instantly you're like what is going on here and then you jump into these vignettes of very mundane normal life other than jack and john who switch bodies but like for the opening i mean even with jack and john's opening with the opening where you play as as um john it's just like you're a dad with a daughter you're getting ready for the day like that's how it starts Hmm. and i and there needs to be more of a blend of, you know, you start with this very action-packed opening and then kind of like, it's fine to start slow, but the first five chapters of everyone's story are pretty slow. And then you get to the last chapter, chapter six, and everything happens at once, which is, you know, it's it's a way to do it. It's just, it's very hard to, to kind of get through the first five chapters of just story to get to that point. Mm. Um but I think the concept's great. Like I think it's it's a, an interesting way of telling this story. It's a cool way to approach it. It's very like surrealist in that there's just this like entire realm that exists that isn't the focus. Because I think a lot of time in like sci-fi, we tend to be like, oh, the interesting thing is the other world. And in this game, it's the exact opposite. It's like the interesting thing is the characters, and then there just happens to be this other reality that exists like ten feet away from yeah. everyone <laughs> that has its own thing going on. Um, but I do I do agree with the you know donna murdering the stranger makes very little contextual sense like i just don't it was that point where i was like why would she do that? You, you never want to question why a character does something mm. like either you you put the the viewer in such a biased opinion of you know there was no other way out of that situation or you set up the character so that the logic of making that decision make sense. Like you have someone like a Joker character who just has no morals and like that's their reaction to things. But in this, Donna's character doesn't have that setup where you believe like this is her only option. And additionally, the stranger doesn't really put her in a position other than being possessive of like, I need to murder this guy. Yeah, and I mean, she's... Uh, and so... It, 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 go on. Yeah, go for it. No, yeah, go no, for it. No, I was going to say like also, um, if I remember correctly, Mina is present when she stabs the stranger. And John comes walking in just after it happens, and then the three of them get caught together. Like, because Mina's there and is, from what I remember, she's looking at Donna and giving her this look of like, "Are you okay?" Like, and you know, I think the only thing I can think is that Donna was worried that the stranger was gonna make Mina disappear, 
but even then there's no real there's no real pre- precedent for that because she isn't being super questionive about Donna and the stranger and it's still very out of left field it's just i don't know yeah it, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth yeah and and yeah i think that in comparison of something like edith finch which ties together these strands of different stories beautifully into kind of this like uh, abstract ending of like what life means to be part of this family this kind of misses that mark in a sense of like you open with samantha leaving earth for this other realm and in the end like it's such a contrite boring ending of samantha being like i've built a life here i don't want to go back here's the exit Mm. and it's like what does that tell us why is that interesting why do i care like there there should have been a lot more tying samantha into the story her motivations giving us even maybe adding subsections between chapters of like samantha's life in this other realm to give us kind of a taste of what's going on yeah um i I think there's a million different ways you could approach this am i disappointed that i had to play this no was it a great experience yeah like i think i think the game is good is it as good as other games no Mm. but at the same time like i'm not sad i had to experience it i think one of the most okay i will say this of all of the things in this game that frustrate me, the thing that frustrates me the most is that... Wait, wait, what did you play? Did you play this on PC? I played it on Xbox. Okay, good. When you're playing this with a controller, so the way that they did the walking scenes... Oh my god, uh, you're giving me PTSD. <laughs> so fucking annoying. So the way they did the walking scenes is they did it in a very cinematic way. So you have these high-leveled camera angles of like streets, and you're either walking like forward on the street or left on the street... But as you change camera angles, the way you're holding the directional uh, like joystick doesn't change. So if you're walking forward, but you're holding back and you walk into the next scene and it's from your back perspective, you still have to hold back to walk forward. And it's just everything is backwards all the time. And it drove me absolutely insane. And I was like, and also it became at a certain point like a gimmick. Like at first I was like, oh, this is a cool camera angle because the first time you see it is when you're you are John walking across the street to Jack because I played that story first. And so there's this like big wide angle. You're like drone view of you walking across the street in the apartment building. And I was like, oh, that was a cool shot. And then there's like 5,000 of them throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I was just like, okay. Like someone thought they they thought of something great. And it just, it was so hard to maneuver and see and figure out where you were supposed to go. And that was the most frustrating part. But even with that, I think this game is is worth a try. It's the the weirdest thing about the game for me is that it's a game that tries to insinuate that it's such a small world with all of these Easter eggs, but yet there's almost no connection between things. Like it would have been nice if Mina's husband somehow knew John or something, so that I could get an insight. Because I. I didn't like the fact that Mina was cheating on her husband, but at the same time, I wasn't emotionally invested in her relationship with her husband. Every time they interacted, I just thought she's a bitch. I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't emotionally invested to the point where I was like, man, I feel really fucking bad for this guy. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. It's um. It's just it's it's strange. I I think that. 
this is a great example of one of the things I'm coming to love about Annapurna, which is they just shoot their fucking shot. You know, <laughs> they really do. They, they get they, yeah. they get presented with an idea, and if they like it, they run with it and they do it to the best of their ability while sticking true to whatever the creative idea was. And sometimes it works like Edith Finch and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> but even then you, you yeah. still end up with interesting experiences and interesting ways of, of telling those stories. You know, that's what's strange about like 12 minutes and last stop is that the game doesn't work, but, it sets this framework for other people to come along and look at it and go, oh, okay, we can work with this. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing I love about indie games, which is like such a, I'm so tired of using this as a category because it's like independent. If you're being published by Annapurna and you are like, even <laughs> there are huge indie developers out there. So it's very confusing, but like with restriction comes something very special like independent games have to work within a set budget and release time and it's usually built by these small teams who truly care about what they're working on and like in that restriction they they create these beautiful different mechanics and like edith finch is a perfect representation of that where it's like you could have done a lot in edith finch to try to like add value to it in a sense of like, we're going to make like look amazing and there's going to be all these mechanics and like, it's going to run at a million frames a second. And it's like all these things that these huge companies try to do. But like at the end of the day, it's a storytelling, it's connecting to a character. It's like the basic things of any art form or any story you're trying to tell. And like, because of how restricted they are in budget and in manpower, you get these like very interesting ways of telling stories. And like both of these games reflect that perfectly. It's like Edith Finch is a great story and probably told in any way it would stand on its own. But because of the way it was told, it is something that's super lasting. And even with Last Stop, yeah, the story's not like the best story I've ever seen, but it's it's worth experiencing. And like how many movies have we seen that we love that have contrite, boring endings? Mm -hmm. Hundreds of them. And so like the mechanical approach of Last Stop, the the graphical style, the dialogue, even though sometimes it can feel like you're not selecting, <laughs> like you want to, you want to say something and it's the opposite thing. Like even then the, the writing is, is, is interesting and keeps you engaged in the characters and each character feels like it takes on a life of its own. And so I would say Edith Finch is a great game. As we said, for someone who doesn't like, it's a great entry point into this world. Whereas the last stop is if you've experienced independent games and you like that style and you like what Annapurna has done and you're interested in playing something a little bit different, a little unique, something that approaches storytelling from a different kind of way of these like fragmented stories, like it's great. Is, are you going to be blown away by it? Probably not. But is it worth it in the end? Like, of course. Like, I think the the payoff of of getting to know these characters and playing through their life and, and especially what you're saying with the scene of, of Donna kind of throwing those canisters, like that was really fun. Mm. <laughs> like that was, a, that was like one of the highlights of playing through this game was that moment where you're like, Oh, this is like a cool mechanic to put in here. Like, and there's a lot of those moments in the last stop where they use quick time events or they use these like moments of different mechanics to keep interest in the gameplay. Um, and I think that part of it really worked. And that that's the part that like, I think other developers can take away from and, and build upon. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what Annapurna's internal 
development comes up with. Yeah, I I hope that they continue to push forward and, and develop really interesting games that take risks. And I, and I think that's the other thing is it's like it, everything being successful is great, but if you're taking risks, you're going to fail sometimes. And I think The Last Stop was a huge risk to take of like, we have very limited resources, but we're going to tell three separate stories all interconnecting in six chapters that all tie <laughs> together at the end. Like that's a huge, that's a huge task to take on in storytelling. Mm. And even though they didn't do it perfectly, like it still, it still works. And it's still really interesting to approach something from that. And I hope that Annapurna continues to take those risks and doesn't just go, Oh, you know, use the data as it were. If like people like this art style, people like, you know, coming of age stories, yeah. people like no X, Y, and Z stuff. and we get a form. Yeah, we get a formulaic response to, you know, what happens to the rest of the gaming industry when we have 17 Assassin's Creed's that are all the fucking same game. People will keep buying them because it's all data-based, you know, driven. Like, we're going to release once a year. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. We're going to hit our tentpole moments. And, like, that that just makes it boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people have fallen away from those franchises for that exact reason. So hopefully Annapurna continues to carry forward what they've been doing for the last, you know, five six years yeah well i i told my other half this was going to be an hour episode so <laughs> we should... you lied it's annapurna man yeah we should probably uh i know wrap it up i could literally talk about this for hours so i apologize oh for no taking no 100 so like i mean I, I could sit here and talk about like the implications of 12 minutes and like the double a indie yeah. scene because that's gonna be interesting over the next couple of years um but do you do you remember the big news that we get to reveal on this episode officially is it, i don't about I don't, about don't. The, the, the discord oh is that is that this episode well it comes out <laughs> I feel it like, comes out i feel like we've revealed it like seven times well, so this, this is point, point, so. because where we're recording in advance but uh we yeah. we are publishing this on thursday the 24th and as of yesterday the play along pod community discord server is live oh woo! yes if you've played the last stop or if you've played what remains of edith finch or if you played any of the games we've played through through this year-long journey of so many wonderful moments and spectacular games tell us on our discord because we have a discord now and you can talk to me you can talk to ben and probably you can talk to jared the most yeah. <laughs> since he is by far the most active on our social media um, but we'd love to hear from you yes, and uh, we are so thankful for, for the community we have and the amazing um, podcasters as well that we've gotten to connect with and, and, you know, become friends with in this, in this process. And uh, yeah, so we are very excited to announce that we have a discord. Yes. Uh, you will hear about it in creators. future episodes <laughs> that sound as if they've been recorded before the discord was live. Uh, disregard that. Yeah, definitely not. We definitely don't pre-record and release. <laughs> we are we, own, we record on the day. Uh, but yeah, but yeah. So in the in the description of where you're listening to this, there will be uh, a link tree. It looks very suspicious. It's not. If you click it, it will have multiple links to our Twitter, our Instagram, the Discord server, Spotify, so you can listen to other episodes um and just all of the good stuff and all of the ways that you can get in contact with us should you want to and it would be very nice to hear from you it's been crazy that this has been a year and uh here's here's the another year here's 
Here's to the next 30. Yeah. <laughs> We're never stopping this train. We, I will go All fucking right. retro if we need to. Like, I will suggest Pon as an interstitial. Like, I'm not above that. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're we're going we're we're diving into the depths of it. Luckily, so many things have been coming out recently. Just I don't think we'll ever have to worry about. Yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ, uh, our bank accounts are weeping. But other than that, <laughs> All right. lots of content to cover. Well, All right, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you for listening, guys. I know we said that, but we do genuinely mean it. Yep. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and everywhere, as we said, and see you on the Discord. Yeah. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.